Future Self Podcast, Episode 20. It's not so much that, that I had this, this itch that I needed to scratch, so much as that you know I was sort of wandering blindly through life and, um, and found a thing that looked interesting and poked at it until it, it either turns out pretty good or you know, gives me hives. This is the Future Self Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Ingalls. Welcome back, Future Self friends. We took a short hiatus, but we are coming out swinging this week. As you know, every episode of the Future Self Podcast is intended to provide you with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And friends, believe me when I tell you that today's episode with Harrison Lord is packed full of value bombs that are going to help you get there. So let's get to it. Now, listeners, if you have ever looked at a successful person and wondered how the hell they have time for all of that, then you have come to the right place today. Today's guest is either a master of time travel or the most proficient scheduler I know because I swear he's able to be in more than one place at a time. Hailing from Harnett County, North Carolina, today's guest is a testament to what can be achieved when you embrace the hard work and hustle lifestyle. As a high school student, he attended the School of Math and Science before double majoring at UNC Chapel Hill, where he was a decorated member of the varsity fencing team and and on the ACC Academic Honor Roll. From there, he attended Washington University School of Law in St. Louis, where he was the associate editor of the Journal of Law and Policy, as well as founder of the school's chapter of the Delta Theta Phi Legal Fraternity. Seemingly never taking a moment to breathe, he went on to clerk for a North Carolina Court of Appeals judge, parlaying that into a position with one of the most renowned law firms in North Carolina. After years of cutting his teeth in the world of high-stakes litigation and becoming increasingly disillusioned with the high cost of legal work, today's guest decided it was time to shake up the legal landscape. In 2015, he opened his unique legal services boutique, Ask Legal, with the goal of providing general counsel services to small businesses for less than the cost of a secretary. It is my distinct pleasure to introduce a man whose resume reads like the CV of a former POTUS than an entrepreneur, a published author, award-winning attorney, all-around nice guy, my friend, Mr. Harrison Lord. Harrison, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Someone has been reading on LinkedIn. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit on, uh, you know, your law firm's page as well. There you go. <laughs> well, th- Harrison, take- well, Harrison, we're not editing that either. Um, thanks for taking some time out to sit with us today. I'm happy I know to. how busy you've already been this morning. No, this, is, this is fun. This is a really neat, neat thing. So we heard a little bit about your background. Um, fill in some of those gaps. Tell us what's going on right now. Uh, going on right now or going on then? It's on you. All right. Well, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so I went to school. I did that for a long time. Um, and then I practiced law. And I'm still practicing law. Uh, left JMD about four years ago. Went to go and work with Bernhardt and Strasser doing the majority of their trial work. Uh, they're a collections firm here in Charlotte. And then about a year ago, in response to several of my clients asking me for quite some time to, to handle some of their corporate work, uh, I started doing more business work and business litigation, um, sort of a holistic approach to helping my small business owner clients get the work that they needed done in a way that made sense for them. So that's what I'm doing now. Right on. So I really want to get started with some hard-hitting questions here, um, if that's okay with you. Boxers. First question. Very good. Boxers. Um, So second question. Are you now using the Hermione Granger watch to be somewhere else 
right this moment. I, I am not. Um, I, I do occasionally use the cloak of invisibility. Uh, <laughs> but no, so, so it's funny that you say that. I think I'm actually not particularly good at, at time management. Um, really? I, I'm, I'm, I just go to a lot of places. Sure. Um, and so, you know, cell phones are pretty amazing devices. And so I can answer emails wherever I am, um, take phone calls wherever I am. And I like people. And so I try to hang out where people are. Uh, and, and I've done that since, you know, since I was a kid. I, it, my wife makes fun of me because in law school, I used to do the vast majority of my studying in the commons area. Um, other people go to the library, sit in carols. Uh, I sat at the big table where everybody ate their breakfast. And that's where I would do my studying. And for me, it made a lot of sense because I could ask the smart kids who would come by with a bagel, hey, what, what's going on with the thing? Um, yeah, how, how does the bankruptcy code apply here? And they would answer my question because we were just chatting over breakfast, right? So it was fine. Um, and, and, you, and, and I enjoyed that. It was a more pleasant way for me to study. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and there were bagels. I, I like bagels. Uh, but I think if you were to ask, uh, you know, your friends and colleagues, I, I think that one of the things that most people notice about you is you seem to be everywhere. Um, well, I actually just follow you around. So it feels like that for you. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, for, for, for most people, it's not that way. Okay. Um, so you say you're bad at time management, but clearly you fit a lot into your schedule. Uh, is there any unique, um, you know, routine that you have in place or scheduling that you do to try to be as efficient as possible? In terms of a system, not, not entirely. Um, you and I were chatting over lunch earlier today, and, and I was telling you that law school, for me, really solidified some some character traits that are not necessarily great ones, but one of those is is that I tend to be a little bit OCD. Um, but my prior life, before law school, I was really not. I used to be very much a seat-of-your-pants kind of guy. Um, and then one, one year for my birthday, uh, it was before my wife and I got married, but she was, she was there. We, we'd been dating for years at that point. And for my birthday, we were at my parents' house, and I opened my mom's present for me, and it was a calendar. And I opened my sister's present, and at the time, it was when, when PDAs were a thing still. Sure. And, uh, and she had gotten me a, a PDA. It was Palm Pilot. <laughs> um, and I opened Annie's present, and it was a slightly different Palm Pilot. Uh, Not a lot of and, coordination that year. No, no. And, and clearly, none of them had talked, because they were all kind of mad that they'd given exactly the same present. And I looked around the room, and I said, okay, I get it. I'll start putting things on the calendar. Um, and, and, you know, these are, these are the women in my life that love me. Uh, and clearly they were telling me in no uncertain terms, seriously, dude, start writing things down. Um, now, of course, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was just scheduling something with my wife a few minutes ago when um, I was looking through the calendar and you know, finding the space that we could fit that, that thing in was, you know, it's, it's going to be at the end of March is when it's going to happen because that's, that's when there's time on the calendar. Honey, I'll get to you at the end of March. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is actually my thing that she's accommodating. Um, but, but it's my thing and it's going to happen at the end of March. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm, I was very similar. I, I've even gone to the point in my life where it's almost like extreme calendaring. Uh, because I, I guess more like you, I didn't start my own calendar until I was in law school as well. Um, all the way through school, undergrad, everything, I just kind of remembered this is when class is on Mondays. This is when class is on Thursdays. And, and looking back, I have no idea how that worked. I have no idea how I ever made it anywhere. Because you had one thing to do. It was you go to class Fair on enough. Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? right. Like that's that but was still, all that was going on. Yeah, I, I um Because now, like my shower 
is on the calendar. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't always happen exactly when it's supposed to be on the calendar, but I set up my calendar from the time I wake up, the first things I do in the morning. Um, and then after that, I go, I'm going here. I, if you look on my calendar now, it's meeting Harrison. Um, I'm pretty impressed with the fact that you put calendaring your shower in. Yeah. Well, and it was easy. You can just put it on there well, and it's there. <laughs> that, that is the glory of modern technology, right? Is that, is that you really can put every, I don't. Yeah. Well, um, if I'm not, if, if I don't take a hard line with myself, uh, it's hard to hold myself accountable. And instead of asking myself a series of questions every day, do you want to do this right now? Do you want to do that right now? I try to answer that question way in advance and then just hold myself to it. You know, we do this at this time. We do that at that time. Um, you do your Spanish lessons at this time. D- different kind of OCD is the thing, right? Because if someone suggested to me that I vary my morning routine by even a, a moment, I would look at them like they were crazy people. Because right. Because clearly, the first thing I do is I wake up and I go to the bathroom and I check my <laughs> emails and then I go for a run and then I feed the dog. Sometimes I feed the dog before the run, but not always. Uh, and then I go upstairs and I wake up the kids and pack their lunches and take a shower and take them to school. So like... Preschool, my schedule is set because no one else is awake to mess with me. Sure. So it sounds like you're doing basically the same thing as I am. I'm just, uh, you know, not quite uh, to the level that you are at this point. I'm just still, <laughs> I'm still having to hold myself accountable. Look, you have yeah. to get out of bed at this time. Yeah. Uh, but you're about it, to have a baby. Yeah, yeah. That'll change. Uh, right. Yeah. What you do no you longer do? have any control over when you get out of bed. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll still try to be up. At a certain time in the morning. Uh, that won't be an issue. Many, many times. You'll, you'll be up. <laughs> you'll, you'll be awake. Um, but I talk about that a lot on the podcast. Uh, I, I couldn't live without my calendar. It's probably the most important thing I have. Because yeah. um, not only does it tell me where I need to be, it also holds me accountable. Instead of deciding, do I want to do this unpleasant activity that I need to do, I just do it because I said I would do it maybe last week when I put it on there. And now I do what the calendar tells so, me to so do. So at, <laughs> at, at the risk of, of talking out of the other side of my mouth now, though, I mean, you asked how I do so many things. Part of the answer to that is is that sometimes people ask me to do things, and I say without thinking, sure. Um, and then I notice that on the calendar there are multiple other things that are supposed to be happening then. And having said that I would do the other thing, I'm going to do it. It's just that now I have to do some juggling. Right. So you like have to today, show up early to one, right. show up late to right. another. So, so I mean, you, you've you actually come with me to some uh, uh, one night of events, I think, where we were event hopping. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just today, you know, I... I found out I was going to be in court today. And so we're doing this a little bit later than we had planned on doing it because I had to drive to Montgomery County and back. Right. So, yeah. So there's some flexibility. So the calendar is the best thing though, is, is really what it's, I'm it's hearing. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. The phone, the phone actually is the best thing because even with the PDA, right? You had two different devices. Yeah. And one of them may have come with you and one of them may not. Uh, but when the phone and the PDA merged that, that we are living in truly a golden age. It's incredible. Yeah, we can work everywhere we are. It's wonderful. Yeah, or not. You can also watch <laughs> Netflix wherever you are. I mean, it's yeah, I do you, like that. There, there are a lot of options out there. Yeah, the gym is way more enjoyable now. Like if I'm on the treadmill for a while, I can flip on an episode of something I want to watch. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, game changing. I'm, I'm an outside running guy though. Yeah, I don't I like mean, gyms. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you know, I don't like running outside. I mean, I think it's just because I'm old and it really hurts my uh, my hips now. But that's a that's a that's a story for another day. Yeah, that's that, getting, I, I, getting I like creaky. The, I, I like the outdoors. Yeah, I hear you. I do too. But that's more. I'm more of like a hiker in that sense. There you go. Um, well, Harrison, we heard a little bit. You told us a little bit about what you're doing um, with Ask Legal. Sure. Um, kind of the general counsel for the business. Uh, so for uh, the first number of years that you were working as an attorney, you worked in other law firms. What was it in that experience um, that 
kind of made you feel like you wanted to transition into a different model of offering legal services? Uh, the difference really comes down to how people want to pay me. Um, I'm a big believer in doing things the way that I would want them done, right? So a good example of this is uh, I was I don't even remember what I was looking for. I was looking to find out how much something cost. And no one would freaking tell me. Oh, on the I, internet. dude, I'm the same way. That annoys me. Yeah, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm Googling feverishly, like uh, we're watching TV or something. My wife and I are watching TV, and I'm trying to figure out how much something costs. And no one will tell me. Yeah, nobody. And and I'm and I'm like slowly working myself up into a into a tizzy, right? And I'm I'm getting annoyed. And I'm like looking at my wife. And I'm like, I can't find the answer to this. This is the stupidest. And there was like a little light bulb on top of my head. I was like, huh? Nowhere in my in my web page does it tell people how much I charge. Nowhere does it say how much the things cost. Yeah, and that's historically been a lawyer thing. That's right. That's right. I mean, and we're all very cagey about it, right? Well, I'll sit down with you and I'll have a consultation that I'll charge you three hundred dollars for. Um, yeah, and and we as as a as a profession, I think we're very closed mouthed about what things cost. And yeah, you don't want to tell someone what it costs because it might cost more. It might cost less. And you know, it depends, but that's a really lousy way to budget. Um, that that night though, I never did find out how much a thing cost. Uh, but I did go onto my website and I put in a page that tells people how much things cost. Um, and now when people call me, I try never to say it depends because, again, it's a super crappy answer. Um, and instead I'll say, yeah, obviously it depends from case to case. But as a general rule, it'll be in this range. Right. You know, if you want, if you want this thing done, I typically end up charging people about this. You know, yours may, your, your mileage may vary. Right. Um, but I think that people appreciate that. And, and I think that that's true of legal services and services generally is that people just want, they want to know the answer. Yeah. Um, when you're starting out, you kind of want to have an idea of what, how far could this go? Right, right. And, and so, you know, early on in my career, um, at, at the firm where I learned to practice law, uh, we were very big on making sure that you had to get a retainer. You had to make sure that there was money and trust if you were going to be doing work. Uh, and... You know, I also try to be very honest with people about what things cost, even then. And so you know, I would tell people, they'd come to me with a $20,000 dispute, and they'd want to file a lawsuit. I'd be like, well, that's great. I would love to do this for you. I'm going to need you to put five to $10,000 in my trust account. And just so you know, I might spend $40,000 chasing your twenty. <laughs> so you know, heads up, that, that's what you know now. And of course, you know, as a result of that, very few people took me up on my kind offer to charge them twice <laughs> as much money as they were currently owed. Um, and, and and I remember one of my partners once said to me that I was better at talking people out of giving me money than anyone he'd ever met. And there's some truth to that. But, you know, when when you shift how you charge and you shift things to look at it from the client perspective, uh, I think that you have a very different analysis that you go through. Um, and so one of the things that I do now that I, that I never did then is, yeah, you know, I'll tell people, these are the ways that I usually charge my clients for the thing that you want done. But if there's a way that you would like to pay me and that works better for you, tell me what that is. And if it, it I'll, I'll look at it. And if it makes any sense at all for me, I'll give it a shot. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, one of the ways that I, you know, my standard ways of charging people now came from that where I had a guy and I was doing, um, doing contingency work for him. And I, yeah, I was charging him a third of whatever I collected for him. Um, I charged him a little bit of money up front and then a third of whatever I collect. And this guy's in real estate. And he said, I, I want to buy points. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? He says, like, like points. Like, I want to buy down my rate. <laughs> and I was, I was like, all right, tell me more. 
And he says, I'll, I'll pay you on an hourly basis if you'll cut the amount that you take on the back end. So this is like in the middle of the case. No, this is this is at the very front. Okay. Yeah, this is when we're talking about fees. Okay. And uh, and I was like, well, you know, I, I you can always pay me by the hour. I'm fine. He said, no, no, I want to do that. Because nobody wants to just pay by the hour. Sure. That's crazy, right? <laughs> so so he says, no, no, I don't want to do that. He says, I just want to pay you some amount of money uh, on an ongoing basis in order to pay you less money on the back end. He says, I want to hedge my, my bets in both directions. So we talked about it. It's, sure, okay. We'll give that a shot. And it's great. You know, and, and it's it's great because I can, you know, there's as as a business, there's cash flow for me. Sure. Right? I'm getting some money regardless of how things go. Um, and but, you're getting it now. That's right. I'm getting it now as opposed to whenever whenever the case is done. Um, but there's also a kicker. There's there's incentive at the end, and there's incentive because the the bulk of the money that I get will be at the end. Uh, and for him, it made sense because by paying me a little bit now, he's cutting down the amount that he pays me then. And this is a guy who I've done work for for years, and um, I, I think that he really just looked at his at the way he was paying me and thought to himself, "Huh, I bet I'll pay him less." overall by doing this and still retain the benefit of not paying him $300 an hour. Sure. So it, you know, it worked out pretty well. Especially after him working with you for a while and understanding that you're probably fully capable of getting that money. That's right. Well, sometimes. More often than not, sometimes. Sometimes. Well, if he's yeah, hedging bets. That's right. Um, I, I like where you're at there. It sounds like, um, you know, I, you frequently hear that a similar story of people stumbling on a good idea by solving a problem for themselves. Um, you know, a lot of inventions are created that sure. way. People just had a problem and they solved it. And it turned out a lot of people had the same problem. Um, because I frequently have had that problem. And, and just, just in the last week, we just hired a doula and I just went through that same thing, um, for our birth, um, of looking around. That's why you were hiring a doula. Yeah. Well, you know, most people don't hire them for like day to day tasks. Hey, you know, it's weird. Um, you know, come clean our house. Um, <laughs> but I was looking on websites because, you know, price was important because um, I know that they run the gamut. Some are very expensive. Some are uh, less expensive. And it was very difficult to find someone who would upfront put what their cost was. Which is weird when you think about it, right? Yeah. Because Because ostensibly they're going to tell you. Right. And, and so I had to take time out of my day to email these people, let them get back. And then they were like $2,000. And I was like, oh, I wasted a lot of time talking to you. Um, right. And yeah, that was very frustrating for me. Um, so... I think you're solving that problem in the legal, you know, on the legal side. Well, I like it, and, and on the lawyer side of things too. It, it's it's a lot easier if someone says, "Well, I just want I want all the varieties that you have to offer." Then I say, "Well, go to www.asklegalnc.com and click on the little button right there that says value based billing, and all of all of the answers will appear as if by magic. I can read them to you, but you can also peruse them at your leisure." Right. Um, and I, I, for me, it makes it easier too because. I have, I have no data to back this up, by the way. Uh, but anecdotally, I feel like fewer people call me and say, oh, I was really hoping you would do this for free, right? Or, oh, I was really hoping that you would charge me you know, $20 an hour because clearly that's not happening. Right. And uh, most people go to your website now before calling, right, I feel like. Right. So it's right there on, and they see it. That's right. And there's not a lot of questions on that. I like that. It probably saves you a lot of time you know, every year. Uh, anecdotally, I, maybe. Sure. Um, we'll get the hard data later. Yeah, it's, it's something that I should probably collect better data on. I, I don't know how I would do that. So it makes me feel good. Yeah, I'm glad. That, that was actually one of the goals. <laughs> 
We're going to take a quick moment here to give a shout out to our affiliate partners on the show. Listeners, there are infinite paths to success, but they all start with knowledge. And I'm not just talking about school. The internet has brought us a multitude of free and inexpensive resources right to your fingertips. And one of my favorite resources is Udemy.com. You can learn virtually anything you want, when you want. And the best part is Udemy lets you learn it right from the pros themselves. Udemy really has turned the doers into teachers and turned your laptops and mobile devices into classrooms. Now check on the blog for a link to get access to any of Udemy's courses in their catalog for just $15. That's Udemy.com. Now listeners, I have been a book lover my entire life. I love the way they feel in my hand. I love the smell of the pages. So I will never stop buying books. But over the last few years, I have become a big fan of digital books. And my favorite app for ebooks is Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited brings the world's largest bookshelf right to your fingertips. Forget to grab a book you want for a vacation? Not a problem. Want to just read a quick passage in a book that you don't want to buy the whole book? You can do that too. Kindle Unlimited brings the written world to your fingertips for less than the cost of a paperback per month. As always, you can find links to anything mentioned in the show on the blog and in the show notes. And any purchases that you make through our affiliate links are going to kick a portion back to the show to help us keep the lights on around here. So Harrison, as a lifelong hustler myself, I always appreciate hearing where entrepreneurs kind of first got the itch to do something maybe different or bigger. Was there any moment um, in your life that you can point to where you first felt an itch or, or is it truly just kind of stumbled into it? So, so for me, it's more of a, uh, shit works out for me. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, that stuff works out for me. Uh, no censoring here. Yeah. Well, I, I try not, try not to curse on air. Um, and it always has. Right. So, so my wife laughs because my son is like this also where, you know, you'll ask him how he did and he'll tell you the ace of the test, regardless of whether that actually happened. Right. But in his mind, yeah, that it went really well. It's fine. Um, Eternal it, optimism. Yeah, and and I'm very much an optimist. I mean, I'm I'm very much a, a glass is half full, and in fact, usually I suspect that my my glass is is actually overflowing with goodness. Um, and, and because of that, or may, maybe in spite of that, things have a way of working out for me. And so, you know, I, when I wanted to a, a few years ago, um, every now and then I got to be in my bonnet that hey, I'd like to do something really stupid with our money. What do you think, baby? <laughs> And my wife looks at me and says, I don't want to do the stupid thing with the money. And, you know, sometimes like, oh, yeah, that's that's why you're in charge of the money. Um, and then other times I'm like, no, no, no I'm pretty sure this will work. Uh, and so we had one of those not that long ago. And it wasn't that I was feeling particularly entrepreneurial that day. It was that um, I had this idea. And, and of course, it would work out because you know, things work out. Right. Uh, and it has. It worked, it's worked out great. Uh, and the same is true of Ask Legal is, you know, I, I had this idea of um, what I wanted to do. And as it turns out, that idea, at least the, the framework for the ideas as initially composed in my head, did not work out at all, right? Because it turns out that people love the idea of paying a set monthly fee for their legal services. Um, and people would come to me because of that. And they would be like, oh, I, this is the best thing. It's the thing I've always wanted. Uh, but then it turns out that when you're like, great, we want to sign up. They're like, no, 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 no. I'll pay you by the, by the hour. Whatever your hourly rate is, is fine. I like that this is an option. It is not something I want right now. Maybe later. Sure. Uh, and, and so, you know, in that sense, it didn't work at all. But in the sense of it got me thinking about new and different ways to, to make sure that the thing I'm doing has value for my clients. It's worked out great. Um, and so, 
I, I guess that, that my point is, is that it's not so much that, that I had this, this itch that I needed to scratch so much as that, you know, I was sort of wandering blindly through life and, um, and found a thing that looked interesting and poked at it until it, it either turns out pretty good or, you know, gives me hives and then I walk <laughs> away from it. Um, yeah, so so no real no real burgeoning itch to be gotcha. an entrepreneur. Just sort of stumbles in, stumble into it, and things turn out. Did you ever see yourself in that role, uh, uh, working role? for yourself? Uh sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't I don't really distinguish between working for myself and working for other people. Okay. Um, see, so, I, I distinguish that largely. I think a lot of people do because it's very, it changes uh, your day to day life drastically. I guess my wife would probably tell you that I'm always working for myself because. Yeah, who the hell else am I doing this for, right? So, you know, I, I don't, I don't worry a great deal about about the things that are other people's concerns. Again, things have a way of working out for me. Typically, if I'm happy with what I'm doing, other people are likewise happy with what I'm doing. Uh, and if if they're not, then they tell me to go away, and I'll I'll go away, um, <laughs> right? Uh, and that doesn't happen a whole lot because things work out. So it, it's. But but the vast majority of what I do is is usually with an eye towards the things that I think should be happening. Okay, um, and I think that's true regardless of whether I'm I'm working at Blockbuster. I'll, I'll give you a story from Blockbuster. Oh, we had um, a Blockbuster question in here. Do you? Oh All yeah, right. <laughs> I worked at Blockbuster for a long time, right? Like <laughs> system from, manager, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was system manager, um, and I got that job actually because my mother said. You need to get a job. I was I was coming home from high school. I had that talk as well. Yeah, and and well, I, mean, I always had a job. I mean, I, well, I me too. Yeah, like from when I was, I think that that legally you're not allowed to work until you were 14. Yeah, I mowed grass until then. Yeah, um, and so, so I always had a job, and, and one of my first jobs was working at a video store where I grew up. There was no Blockbuster because it was a small place, um, and and so I, I liked working in the video store. But so I came home from high school that summer, and, and my mom said, what are you going to do this summer? I said, I don't know, I'm going to find a job. And she said, what are you thinking about? And they had moved to Apex while I was, while I was at Science and Math. Um, and so I didn't know anybody there. I didn't have my old job anymore. Um, and we were driving past the Blockbuster, and my mom was like, huh, there's a video store. I was like, ooh, stop. And I went and I applied for a job. Well, so I worked there until I was not necessarily that store, but, but at Blockbuster generally until law school. Right. Um, sort of on and off as like a part-time job type deal. And during that time period, while well, I was in college, I guess, I, had, I was the assistant manager. Um, and my manager came up to me one day and he was like, Harrison, you keep on writing off all the late fees. What are you doing? I try not to be an asshole. Well, there was that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, what, what I told the guy's name is Mike and he's, he's a wonderful guy. Um, we're still friends. And, and I said to him, well, Mike, when someone comes in and it's causing a problem, um, I will throw money at the problem until that problem goes away. And so that, that is why you're seeing that I'm writing off a lot of these late fees is that people are unhappy and they are either you know, holding up the line or they're screaming at the associates or whatever. And in order to make that stop, I throw money at it until it goes away. <laughs> and Mike was like, that is not the company policy. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's because the company policy is sort of dumb, right? And so, you know, he and I had had this whole back and forth on it. And he was like, well, are you going to stop doing that? I was like, well, of course not, because that's that's silly. My way makes people happy, and then they praise us and the store and come back and get more videos. The official position of the company makes people angry and upset, and then they don't rent videos from us. So what you're trying to say is you tried to save Blockbuster, and they wouldn't have it. 
No, but but that's the great part of the story is is that fast forward about a month, and Mike comes up to me. He's like, "You know what, Harrison? I'm convinced on this throwing money at problems until they go away thing." He says, "Because I," he says, "Out of curiosity, I tried it one night." He says, "The whole night went beautifully." He says, "And I, you don't write off all the late fees. You write off a little bit, and people are happy." Right, kind like, of right. Right, because you know these are people who have the disposable income to come into a blockbuster on a Friday night. There's no reason why they should be angry when they're there, right? Um, and, and so, you know, from my perspective, that was the thing that made sense. That was the thing that I was going to do, and it worked out. Uh, it doesn't sound like they ran with the ball on that one, though. They, they sort of did, actually, because. Um, the the regional manager we apparently had that whole discussion a little bit up the chain so like i think that our district's semi-official policy at one point was throw money at shit until it goes away um if there are problems just just make it go away make people happy and that was sort of the official district philosophy and our district did very well right so so yeah so there was that and and then also um see but but there was a big rule that if you wanted that treatment you could not be an asshole sure right well, um, that's a fine line to walk because you're angry as hell. <laughs> well, right, right. No, there's a um, the, this, this crosses over into the law. So one night, um, um, I'm the manager on duty, and uh, there is a ruckus going on at the cash registers. That's the only way to put it, right? Like there, there is a woman raising cane at our cash register, and it's like a Friday night, and there's like a line out the wazoo, and this woman's just yelling, like she's just like. <laughs> Just mad. And so I go up and I'm like, hi, can I help you? And she's like, I want to speak to the manager. And I was like, well, I'm the manager on duty. How can I help you? And she was angry about her late fees and she was yelling about it. And I was like, oh, well, you know, what, what is the issue? She's like, well, these late fees are just absurd. And I'm a lawyer. Oh. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a family of lawyers. And so I know that those are not actually magic words, right? <laughs> And this woman was making me angry because she was really, really nasty to the girl that works, the teenage girl working at the cash register. Um, and, and so I, I was pretty much done with it. And I was, I was like, oh, so you're a lawyer. Oh, I'm sorry. That makes everything so much easier. <laughs> and the woman like gives this cat that ate the canary look like, ah, oh, I bullied him into it. Right. And so I was like, excuse me, just one second. And I go over and I get one of the new membership applications. I'm like, see, as a lawyer... You understand contracts, which makes this whole conversation so easy. See, when you joined, you signed one of these, right? <laughs> and, and as a result, you know that's a binding contract. And so one of the terms of the contract that you agreed to is that if you bring back the videos not on time, then you're responsible for late fees as set by the company. So, see, we all agree that you are, in fact, a member here because you have a membership card, right? And as a result, you signed this membership agreement. And as a result, you've already agreed to pay these fees. So there's really no issue, right? <laughs> and, and the woman was like... Lawyered. Yeah. Uh, she was not happy. She, she was like, I want to speak to your manager. And I'm like, well, as I told you, I am manager on duty, but I have the feeling you don't mean me. So, and I, and I pulled out a piece of paper and I was like, Mike's name is Mike and this is his phone number. Uh, this is the store number. I'm not going to give you his personal number because he wouldn't like that, but here's the store number and, uh, and he'll be in tomorrow around 11. Uh, you could probably reach him. Now I will tell you, Mike has seen me have this conversation before. You will probably not get a satisfactory answer for him. So the regional manager, or the district manager, rather, is, is this person. I gave her his name and his number. And I was like, nah, I don't know how, if you get good answers from him or not. But if you don't, this is the district manager, 
or the regional manager, and uh, his name is so-and-so. And I was like, so you take this sheet, uh, and if you want to have those videos, I can check you out, uh, and you can take care of this late fee, or if that's not cool with you, I'll be happy to shelve them for you. You just let me know. And she <laughs> grabs the sheet from me, and she storms out. And the next day, I get a call on my cell phone, and it's Mike. He's like, what the hell did you tell that woman? Why, why did I just get yelled at? And I told him the story, and he's laughing. <laughs> and he's, he's like, oh, she probably thought I was mocking her when I gave her the district manager's number. <laughs> and you know nothing bad ever happened because the woman was an unreasonable jerk sure. right yeah um but but yeah so so if she had just been nice and been like dude these late fees suck man anything you could do for me i'd be like yeah i'll write all the late fees off cool you happy excellent enjoy your film yeah, and that is a lesson i learned far too late in life you know people would you know tell me from a young age you catch more flies with honey and and that just sounded like some nonsense to me um you know and, but then you know as you get older you realize that's how shit gets done. Oh, yeah. Just be nice and smile to everyone. Sympathize, empathize with them and their job. Like, the, when I actually had cable, I was getting cable way cheaper. Because I realized, just be really nice to that person on the phone yeah. when you call to complain. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> right, no, and like, and like, I never yell at people. On that. I, I try really hard never to be mean to people. I, I, um, I, I was once told by opposing counsel, like, we had this long conversation and, um, and she wanted me to do something, and I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen, and here's why, and we talked about it. Um, and and I explained to her really nicely that her case was terrible, and that, that she would lose, yeah. right? But I was really nice about it. Doing she, her a favor. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and she, she said at the end of it, she, she, like, there was just silence on the other end of the line for a second, and she's like, I think that's the nicest that anyone's ever told me to fuck off. <laughs> and I was like, I, I wasn't trying to tell you. She's like, no, 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 I, I get what you're saying, but... What you're telling me is that if I do the thing that my client wants to do, y'all are going to sue us. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> we definitely will do that. Uh, but but I didn't want I didn't want to be mean about it. Uh, and she was like, no, you were super nice, super nice. Uh, you know, and, and we did. We sued that person. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll never fuss. Like People were like, well, I disagree with that. I was like, okay, we, we can disagree. And then I'll file a lawsuit and you know, yeah. we'll, we'll disagree in court with papers. Yeah, and that's like, good to see because I feel like the old philosophy of lawyering – was to just kind of hammer them into the ground into submission. Um, I've run into that a lot when I was a young lawyer. Uh, you don't get it's after you've been practicing a while, you get a little bit more. But there's a lot of you know attorneys out there that uh, just try to hammer you, try to come out. You know, like we're going to eat your children if you don't dismiss this lawsuit right now. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not a believer in that. No, actually, my 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 buddy and and former partner Michael Stein um, used to laugh at me because he's like, you will talk about a case with opposing counsel. In the most pleasant terms, and like just you, you're just you always just want to talk about the case with them. I'm like, well, yeah, because I'd rather find if I'm an idiot, I'd rather find that out on the phone, right? Like if they have good stuff, I'd much rather know that up front than in court later, right? Right. Um, yeah, and some people, and and a lot of times you just resolve things, right? Like if you talk to people and you're like, wait, what are you looking for? And they're like, oh, I'd like three thousand dollars, and and you know my client's gonna pay me twenty thousand dollars to fight over this. I'm like. Let me call you back. I think that's something we can do. Yeah, like, let, me just, uh, let me talk to my client a little bit. Three thousand dollars, we can we talk. <laughs> so, listening to your blockbuster story um, and knowing that you were uh, from a family of lawyers, uh, was that something you knew you were going to do? What blockbuster? Yes, from an early age. <laughs> uh, go to law school. Uh, did I know? No. Um, was that something your parents were hopeful of? No, they want me to be yeah, a doctor. I've never met a lawyer who was like, you should be a lawyer. Like uh, when I was interning, 
before law school, all the lawyers I met were like, is it too late to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> well, so my dad had it in his head that one of his children should be a doctor. Um, and this was purely, I think, because he thought, wouldn't it be great if one of my kids could just take care of me when I get old? <laughs> um, so so he was he was very keen on me being a doctor. And of, of my two sisters and me, I was the one that was good at science. And so, uh, and so that was the most realistic option for him, I think. He encouraged my sister to go to law school. Uh, she's now a public school teacher in, in, uh, in uh, Person County. So that did not stick. She became a lawyer. She practiced law for a while. She did not like it. Now she's a public school teacher. Um, but no, when he, when, he was, uh, when he was talking to me about it, uh, what he told me was that there, there are many wonderful things about being a lawyer, and you can do that, and it would be, you'd be good at it. It would be a great career. Um, but there are a lot of other options. Take a look at them. And I did. And, uh, and it turns out that, that I'm really good at being a lawyer. Uh, and that was pretty abundantly clear relatively early on. So it was always sort of the backup thing. Like, like I was going to be an astronaut or a lawyer. And then I was going to be, you know, um, what were the other things I looked at? Uh, I, I sold life insurance for a year. But that was really just so I could live close to my girlfriend. Um, I married her, so it worked out. Oh, yeah. But uh, but I'm so I was sort of always that was always sort of the the backup plan was was well I'm gonna look at some things and then probably be a lawyer and, and but even even go to law school I, yeah I became a very different kind of lawyer than I thought I was. My first year of law school I told everybody loudly and often that I never wanted to step foot in a courtroom. Really, really had no interest. And my reasons for it, I maintain to this day, were sound, right? It was that nobody wins when you go to court except for the lawyers. It's a really stupid system, right? We have a fight, so we're going to spend half the money that we're fighting over paying those guys to go make arguments for us. That's a dumb system. I will go be that guy. Right, right. And I didn't <laughs> want to be that guy, right? And so, uh, so I wanted to draft and negotiate contract. That's all I wanted to do. And then end of my first year, first year summer, I split my summer. I spent uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday... I went to a large law firm, and I did research, and I wrote. They had a um, it was an employment law practice, and they were having they were updating a fifty state survey of employment law. And that's all I did. That sounds lovely. I, yeah, it was actually it was interesting, but uh, there was a rumor that there was another summer associate there. I never met her. Um, every day I would go in, I'd get into my desk about eight o'clock, I'd leave about five thirty or six, and like I'd bring a bag lunch. And that was my day every day. And nobody talked to me. The most entertaining, engaging thing that happened that summer was um, the firm's name was, was someone and someone. One of the guys' name was Brown. And it turned out that Mr. Brown was still alive. He was really old, but he was still alive. And one day he wandered into my office. It was just like this really old man wandered into my office and said, who are you? And so I stood up and I introduced myself to him. And he says, well, that's lovely. And he, and he had the nicest conversation with me. He was the super nice man. Um, and, and yeah, it was his firm and he was like, well, enjoy your summer here, son. It's really nice to meet you. And he left and I, that was the, by far the nicest thing. Um, because otherwise I sat by myself and I researched and I wrote and that was all I did. And then the other half of that summer I spent, um, at legal aid, uh, doing landlord tenant work yeah, on the ground. Yeah. In court every day. Um, actually dealing with the courtroom and arguing with opposing counsel, and yeah, as, as a first year law student, this was this was amazing. And so I came back, yeah, you know, after telling everybody first year that I never ever want to set foot in a courtroom. I came back and I was like, you know, 
that, uh, what I think I might like to do is be a trial lawyer. The itch. Yeah. That's the itch. Yeah. And then as it turned out, that was exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. That's why I went to law school. Like, that's what I'm going to do. It was the whole thing. Uh, that's what I was going to do in undergrad. I got my degree in criminal justice um, with some political science in there. I went to law school. I was just, that's it. That's all I'm doing. Like, the electives I took focused on trying to be a criminal defense attorney. And I got out of school. I practiced as a criminal defense attorney uh, for about a year. I mean, I continued to practice as one for several years after that. But it was very clear to me that that's not what I wanted to continue to do. Um, so completely went away from that, and I don't do any of it anymore. Um, so that was a similar idea. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. This is what right. I'm going to do until I'm 90. Um, and completely different. But I was the same way, too. I got in the courtroom. You know, you stand up in the uh, courtroom. You get to argue with opposing counsel, judge, jury. And you're like, oh. It's amazing that people pay me for that stuff. Yeah, this is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and you make and you make argue like you get to sit down and make like a cogent argument and and figure out where things are good and where things are bad and and yeah, you get to do all the fun stuff. And right on. Fun stuff. Okay, so one of the things that I feel like is most recognizable about you um, from someone who's just meeting you is that you uh, you're somewhat of, of a master networker, if you could call it that. You know, you have very varying social circles. You seem to, uh, you know, know quite a few people. And we talk about networking a lot. That's why I bring it up. We talk about it on the podcast a lot um, about learning to network. And, you know, your network, uh, your net worth is, your network is your net worth, is the quote. And, you know, I found that to be true. Uh, the the That's how things get done. Sure. So, but I think... You know, I mentor a lot of younger students, college students, and they have a lot of trouble in that area. There, uh, a number of people just don't feel very social. They don't know how to walk into a room full of people that they don't know and develop any kind of relationship. Is that something that you've ever struggled with? You feel like it came more naturally to you? Yeah, I mean, that, that's again, I mean, it goes back to things just sort of working out for me. Um, yeah, I grew up. My my dad watching my dad work a room when he was a young man was incredible. Like daddy, he knew everybody and he's friendly and he would go from place to place and he'd chat with the little old ladies and he'd, you know, shake hands with the guys and like everybody, everybody loved daddy. Um, and so that's what I watched growing up. And then it goes back to, you know, things just sort of working out. You know, when I'm nice to people, they tend to be nice back, right? When I smile at people, they tend to smile back. And, and you know, my being happy makes them happy and vice versa. And so sure. it's a virtuous cycle, right? Um, you know, we, we're, we're both a member of a, of a networking group. Um, and one of the things that someone in that group says all the time that, you know, they call it networking. And it's important that you be networking. And, and that drives me insane because that's the opposite of my approach to networking, Right. Uh, my approach to networking is very much I enjoy people, and if if you are someone who is of any interest to me, then I will express interest in you, and we will chat and have a nice time, and maybe there will be like a lunch or, or or coffee or booze or whatever, and and that's even better. Sure, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I I very much do not think of it networking as networking, and you know that your your net your network is your net worth. I guess that's true. I don't know. Well, I mean, know. I don't think there's an argument over that, the fact that it's not. I mean, you know, you, we don't have to necessarily monetize it, but the larger your sphere of influence, sure. the people that you know, you know, like if I need, sometimes I need something done at court. 
And because I've been really nice to the clerks, of course, over a period of time, you know, like I know about their wife, I know, you know, where they're going on vacation, I can call them and get something done much quicker than I was ever able to in the beginning of my career. Certainly, um, and I think that goes for almost every relationship. The more relationships you develop, it, it changes how you're able to get things done because you're asking a friend now. You're asking a friend to do, you know, like, hey, I have a question. They give you an answer. Or I have an issue. Oh, here's how you need to solve that. Right. Um, and, and that's where I say, you know, and, that, and I, I think that that absolutely ups your ability to get things done and in turn put more money in your pocket at the end of the day. And I know that's a very cold way to look at it to say that your network is your net worth. But ultimately, I think that for better or for worse, it is. Well, I'll do you one better. And, and and part of the reason I think that I have a really good network of people is that uh, I, I try really hard never to ask for favors, right? Actually, that's not true because I ask for favors all the time. Sure. Um, I try really hard never to ask for favors for myself. Um, and I think that that is a, a a lot of people I know who think of themselves, you know, fancy themselves to be really good networkers. Um, it, it's it's a bartering system, right? It's you know I do these things and then you know I build up this this reservoir of goodwill. Sure. And and then when I'm in need, I draw upon that reservoir. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's actually a completely legitimate way to do business. Just to be clear. Um, <laughs> like I think that's a completely legitimate thing, and that's the way that the world works. Right, and I try very hard though not to, not to approach life that way. And, and part of that is because I, I will absolutely be hitting people up for favors, and usually it is for other people, right? Sure. So um, I, I'm, I met a, a fellow. He had recently graduated from law school, and I was chatting with him, and um, and I, I reached out to some friends of mine to interview him, and you know when they when one of our friends hired him. You know, I consider that a personal favor to me. Now, probably it had nothing to do with me. Probably it was just this kid is actually really talented well, and good. Well, you know, at the same time, he knows you and he trusts your judgment. Right, right. And so, you know, like, if ever that person comes to me and is like, hey, can, can you do this favor for me? I'm going to be overjoyed to do that favor for him. Right? Sure. Because, you know, he hired this kid that I recommended to him and that made me really happy. Um, none of that puts money in my pocket. Right. And And I think that that in some ways that is, at least for me, it's more valuable than cash, right? Like it's, it's, I, I don't want to monetize my relationships. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think to break that down for the listener who may not be a natural networker, I think that there's a number of things that are important about what you just said. One is you are asking for favors for other people. You're trying, you're, you're kind of cashing in on that goodwill, whether you, you know it exists or it doesn't, you know that you have that ability to speak to that person. Um, so now you are, you know, we almost ignore the person you got the job for. The goodwill that you generated by introducing that person and getting them that job is ultimately long term. They're never going to forget you. You got them their first job in the legal community. Sure, you, you got sure. them that. So that is goodwill that you generate with that person. Which and and again, not to try to break it down into these very cold and callous terms, but to someone who doesn't have the natural ability to do that. This is something that I think it's important to, to recognize. I, I question that doesn't have the natural ability thing. Because I, I don't think, I mean, I, I think that, I think that when people think of networkers, they think of people like me that are loud and somewhat obnoxious and tend to walk <laughs> around the room slapping people on the backs and, and, and saying hi. Right. Right. 
Um, and, and certainly that is that that's me. That's that's how I know right. people. But there's intricacies to what you're doing that seem very I think that seem natural to some people but seem very foreign to others. Well, and I guess that my point though is that that's not the only way to have those networks. That's not the only way to be a good networker. And so when we say sure. it doesn't come naturally to someone, you know, m- maybe you're talking about someone who who is more reserved. You know, maybe you're talking about someone who would much rather be um, you know, writing a blog or or you know, doing whatever the um, Twitter Doing, thing. doing the Twitters. Yeah, do, doing, doing whatever thing with an electronic device they do. Um, yeah, and, and that's, but that's the thing is that, like, I know people who have, like, a really robust Twitter network. Sure. Right? Who, like, they know people all over the country who think very highly of them based on 140 characters of things that they say, right? Which I will never do, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm I, I tweet, I try, but, like, that is, like, that's, I, I'm, I'm the guy. The equivalent of that guy on Twitter is is the guy who walks around the party, like with his hands, you know, both hands firmly grasping the plate of food, avoiding eye contact, and like facing the corner, right? <laughs> like that's me on Twitter, right? Like I not really sure what to do, right? Like I'm, I'm like, hi, y'all. <laughs> Everybody having a good night? Where Where do you work? I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm, exist. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a different platform. Been Been doing that long. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's me on Twitter. Yeah, I feel like Twitter, you know, like we, we're very much the Facebook generation. Um, you know, it was... It, Speak it, for yourself, brother. That didn't come out until I was in law school. He has a strong presence on the Facebook. Um, I do? Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like oh. he, like you don't know. But it, it, it was <laughs> it, it was something that, you know, certainly like when, when Twitter came out, I was kind of past the point of, you know, adopting new technology at that point. So, I you know, there was a learning curve to it to, you know, kind sure. of figure out the ins and the outs of it. So, I understand that. I will say though on the Facebook thing, um, you, you know what my approach is on Facebook, right? Uh, I, I tell people happy things that are going on in my life. Very rarely am I like, oh, I'm sad on, on Facebook <laughs> because I, who wants that on Facebook, right? So like, Nobody. I, I pretty much just tell people when things go well for me on Facebook. Yeah. That's it. That's my entire that, and I rant. Yeah, oh, I, I like I the rant. Occasionally rant. I think well, and to be fair, I think the rants are where you gain the traction. Oh, all right. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, the the rants are what gets the uh, engagement. Oh, all right. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. the rants are what my wife is like, dude, you got to get off the Facebook. Man. No, it's great. Yeah. It, it's your best. It's the best part of your presence. I mean, oh, don't get me wrong. Right. I, I like daddy daughter dates as well. Yeah. That's, that's um, pretty much, it's just that's like, the bulk it's just of my Facebook. 12 presence. hours of selfies of daddy and daughter at cool random places around Charlotte. Yeah. I, I do usually some, usually some recitals or dances of some kind. I, I go places <laughs> with, my, with my son too, but he does not like pictures. So we never take pictures when I'm with him. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's like, Hey, let's take a picture. I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but what, what kind of the common theme I'm hearing, though, um, which I, I espouse as well uh, for networking is give, 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 um, you know, try to put yourself out there and help as many people as possible, because that really, in, in my mind, is the best way to create a network is to be valuable to your network. And at, at that point, those people are going to appreciate that and when you do inevitably need something at some point whether it's asked for or not um it you know it, it has its way of coming back around oh yeah absolutely i mean yeah. and, and and i mean to to look at it in terms of more like uh, not not cold but that was the word you used right yeah to, you know, to look not, at it that way is, is you know there's a reason that things work out for me right like people are really nice to me right all the time and and, and surely some of that is that i'm nice to other people absolutely right um yeah, maybe it's just that I'm, I'm exceptionally charming and lo- good looking, but I think mostly it's that you know 
people people want to be nice. Right. Well, and people like doing business with people that they like and that sure. are nice to them. You know, no matter how good you are at what you do, if you're an asshole about it, it's going to be hard for me to want to work with you. Sure. So, so one of the things we like to talk about, and I know we touched on it a little earlier, was you know implementing habits and routines to maximize your efficiency. Do you have any particular ones that you implement kind of on a day-to-day basis that you feel like really uh, add to your ability to be successful? I'm, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, truly. Um, my, my paralegal gives me crap about it. Um, I, I focus on the thing that's right in front of my face, right? And that's I, I think it's probably sort of a mixed bag, right? Because what it means is that I tend to be very responsive, right? So sure. some, someone gets in touch with me, I try really hard to get right back to them, right? If, if you leave me a voicemail, I'm probably going to call you back that day. You, you send me an email, I'm probably going to email you back that day. And it's not because I'm trying to be conscientious. I, I, like, I, I do try, but, it, but that's not really it. It's, it's that that thing popped up and it's like squirrel. Ooh, shiny right? thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that, this seems to be on fire. I'll, I'll put that fire out first. I'll, I'll deal with this other thing later. Um, and, and it runs the risk sometimes of, of you know, things that are not the squeaky wheel not getting done. Well, right. And I'll tell you, that is actually one of the things I usually counsel kids I'm mentoring against is right. to don't look at the squirrel. Don't look at the shiny thing, because that's where I see. And that's interesting that you're able to make that work. And that's great. But it's funny because that is usually one of the things I see because um, I'll sit I'll sit with people and talk to them and watch, you know, how they're working. And one of the things I see is distractions. Right. Is is they'll have their phone on and they'll get a notification and then they stop what they're doing and get into it. And I've actually read research uh, about the time that most people's minds take to actually get back to focusing on a project and the amount of time that we kill doing it. Right. So, so but, but to, to get to your point about the systems, you know, what, what do I do? I, I know that that's something that I do, right? It's I run around with my hair on fire all the time. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I also do is whatever I'm working on stays up on the desktop of the computer, right? And so at the end of the day or, or, you know, whenever, whenever the thing that just caught my attention and took me off on the rabbit hole, um, whenever that thing is done, you know, and that, that crisis is averted or whatever it is, uh, the thing that is open is still there. It's still there waiting for me. Right. Um, and that thing does not get closed until it gets done. Now that's a good idea. I like and, that. Well, it's a, it's a terrible system. Well, no, but I like, I like the backup in the system of keeping the thing there because that's a problem I see too. And I run into it myself is I'll be in the middle of something, I'll get diverted, and then I'll forget about the thing entirely. I mean, I like the idea of keeping it at least in your mind. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the hard copy version of that works much better. Because that's, that's where that comes from, right? It's that I used to leave things on my desk. If they weren't done, they stayed on the top of the desk. Right. Right? And, and those were the things. The things that were on the desk had to get done, right? Um, doesn't work as well in the digital world as it does. Yeah, you yeah. just got a lot of tabs open. Well, yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> it, it, it turns out there's like an infinite amount of space. Yeah, I'm a bit of a the, tab hoarder desk. myself. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm actually, I'm actually trying to institute a better system than right. that. So what you're saying, as soon as you get this whole productivity thing nailed down, you're going to take over the world. Maybe. maybe. All right. Unless, unless there's a shiny object in the way, in which case I'll probably get right. distracted. Vote Lord 2024. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're not going to run for president? No, not planning on it. Why not? I don't want to be president. Why not? Do you know what that guy has to do? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't look like it's that hard recently. 
Well, <laughs> I told you I'm really lousy at Twitter. Um, no, I, I just, that, that's not, I, I, I've never been, uh, I've never been really interested in being the president. There, there are jobs in government that I would like. Right. Um, I don't know that president would ever be one of them. Well, we're going to keep hounding you about that. Um, because us at the Future Self Podcast think you'd be a phenomenal president. Well, thanks. Oh, no, no. Thank you. Um, all right, Harrison. This brings us to the part of the show that we call the Future Self Skinny Minute. And it is a series of rapid, semi-rapid fire questions uh, that gives the listeners the skinny on you. Initially, uh, when I first named it the Skinny Minute, it was, it was supposed to be a minute or two. That has not been the case. But we try to keep it, you know, kind of, kind of quick. Are, are the rest uh, of your guests similarly shaped to me? Similarly shaped? Yeah, not skinny. Oh, um, I'm not going into that. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so, well, and actually, I got what's funny is I got the skinny minute because I'd never really heard that before. But when I met my wife, I would hear like she would just use that phrase sometimes, like, I like the phrase. skinny minute, and I'd never really heard, it and I thought it was cute. So I was looking for something to call kind of the end of the show, and I was like, well, that's adorable. Uh, so, all right. So number, uh, question number one, um, and this was going to be our blockbuster question. I feel like we already did it. I was really looking forward to like pulling this one out and you're like, Ooh, you knew I already did blockbuster. Um, it's like the highlight of my resume. Is it your single greatest regret that you caused the fall of blockbuster movies? I did not actually, <laughs> as we discussed earlier, I did my best to save them. <laughs> Although I do note that when I left the store, things went downhill fast. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I did. Mm-hmm. Maybe I did. I, I, it does come up every now and then. There's a comedian that, that does a bit about when he was at Blockbuster Video. Um, and he says, which is a very old-fashioned thing to say. Yeah. Um, and it, it is an old-fashioned thing to have worked at. Yes. Um, they, they were too arrogant. You know, didn't see Netflix coming. Yeah. yeah they, they tried. I mean, like they, they tried doing like the Redbox thing. Yeah. Right? But, I mean, I, I knew about that so late in the game. Like, by the time I saw my first one, Redbox was already entrenched. Yeah. So, eh, It's a shame, because, like, like, honestly, looking at a wall of different movies is a much better way to end up picking out something oh, that's there, entertaining. There was a good experience, but, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. I did. But I also like the experience of paying a dollar and 30 cents to watch a movie and taking it well, back. that. Right. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, well, and I think, honestly, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but the model that Redbox came up with was far superior. Um, oh, Clearly. Oh, you lost the movie? Well, now you're just going to pay what it would have cost to buy it at Walmart. Right. Um, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. Don't worry about it. Don't bring it back. We're just going to charge a credit card. Right. Um, so, I mean, that was that's really what made it superior in my mind. Because if you lost the movie at Blockbuster, they wouldn't charge you like 80 or 100 bucks. No, they, they wouldn't, though, if you had just come in and been like, hey, I lost this movie. Well, don't, don't, don't think that I paid them. Okay. Well, <laughs> Here's that. Oh. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Best piece of advice. All right, so so I will tell you when I was filling out college applications, uh, my father said go to Princeton, and and Princeton's application had on it what's the best piece of advice you ever got, and I put on it go to Princeton, my dad, and those people were not amused. So I that, think it's wonderful. That was it may have been good advice, but but admitting to it was terrible. Um, so don't say that to Princeton people; they don't like that. <laughs> um, that when my dad read over that that uh, application, he said, you know, I, they're either going to think that you're sort of a, a clever, funny kid, or they're going to think that you're making fun of their application. Cause I did that all through. They had a bunch of stupid questions. Like what's your favorite word? Um, and so I put redundancy and then put the same reason, like eight different, eight different ways. Um, 
Like, and he was That's like, fantastic. Yeah, I did not get into Princeton. Yeah, it doesn't sound um, like you really needed to go there anyway. No, doesn't no. sound like your spot. I, I also during my during my uh, alumni interview, um, I, I was I was making fun of the dining clubs and like I was like I made a credit card joke and I made and like the guy looks at me and he, he's like, the dining clubs are an essential institution at the University of Princeton. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Getting crickets here. And I'm like, oh, oh, you took that all really seriously. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah, not not your school. No, clearly not. Not um, a good fit. Best advice that I ever got. Um, I'm paraphrasing this, but again, it's from my dad. Um, and uh, show up early, stay late, work harder than everybody else there. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that's, and yeah, that's, that's his entire life. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this before. Um, Chili Man was uh, a few episodes ago, and one of the things he said that really resonated with me, he said, "It's never too too late to be better than everyone else." I like that. I like yeah, that. I've got I've got another one actually. This this is the best legal advice that I ever got by a guy named Ed Hinson, who is is a wonderful lawyer. I don't know if you know him. Um, he was a partner of mine at James McElroy Deal, and my first appearance in federal court, there was a break, and Ed said, "Come on, we're going to the bathroom." And I said, I don't have to go. He says, of course you have to go. <laughs> and he looks at me and says, if you're going to be a trial lawyer, you need to learn this now. If there's ever an opportunity to go and pee, you go and you pee. You make yourself if you have to. Dude, he's so right. But you don't know when you'll get another chance. And it's absolutely true. So yeah. I always pee. That is great advice because judges don't like stopping for a bathroom break. Yeah. Yeah. You go when you can go. <laughs> Except when it's their break. Right. right. <laughs> I, and, and actually, I have once, uh, once in my career, I had to stand up during a hearing and say, Your Honor, I'm really sorry. Can we can we take a bathroom break? I've really got to go. Um, and yeah, the judge was cool about it. Like yeah. it was fine, but it was pretty embarrassing to just have to stand up in court and be like, Hey, sure, can I go potty? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I really got to go. Yeah, <laughs> you can have a beer with any person living or dead. Who is it? There's a lot of fucking people, man. Yeah. Um, And then you feel all this pressure to make it a good answer. Yeah, and, I've, and the sad part is I've answered this question before, and then I've heard other people's answers and had regrets. <laughs> and usually, it's it, usually I, I'm given more options than one, right? Like usually, it's like fill out your favorite dinner party. Sure, right? Um, anyone? Come back to that one. Okay, Come back absolutely. Let's say you have 30 seconds to tell someone the most important advice on finding success, um, you know, just in the world, business, entrepreneur, anything. What do you tell them? Be nice to people. Damn. That one's easy. That was fast and concise. I like it. Uh, that, that's, I mean, that's... That was good, though. Be nice. That's good. What is one book that everyone needs to read? That everyone needs to read? Or at least anyone who might be interested in listening to this podcast. Man, I don't know. Which is um, everyone. One book that everyone needs to read. I know, it's a tough one. And feel free to drop a couple if you can't. You know, if it's like a child, you can't pick which one you love the most. Or you're not allowed to say that on air, I mean. <laughs> so there are a few for different reasons. Okay. All right. So the Bible, because not not because of, of the, you know, the essential truths of the Bible, right? But because so much of modern consciousness is built off of references to the Bible. And people quote quote things that are actually misquotes of the Bible all the time. Sure. Right? Um, you know, so, so that, that 
my wife would be annoyed because she'd be like, really, the Bible? And But but the answer is not because of, of the essential... I like the qualification yeah, you put on it, yeah. though. Um, but because it's just, a, it's a very... It, it's There are some universal, uh, universal things in the Bible, but then beyond that, at least as an American, um, so much of of American and, and Western history is based off of it. I think that's really important. Um, I like the Greek tragedies a lot. Okay. Um, I think, again, for much of the same reasons that, that so much of, of our understanding of what it is to be people comes from that, that culture. Um, and you know, it's sort of like yeah, you know, Shakespeare, right? Like you read Shakespeare, you know, you know the plot to most movies, right? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, like that 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 Lion King show is pretty good, right? Turns out, spoiler alert, <laughs> right? Like that's it wasn't particularly original. Yeah, um, fairy tales for the same reason. So I mean, I, I guess I guess sort of I would go to foundations, right? Uh, Mostly because I couldn't think of anything really good. Ah, I think you did should. good. Yeah, We haven't gotten those answers before. All right, well, good. Actually, I think we've probably gotten the answer to the Bible without that qualification. Right. Yeah, other people had real answers. I was just sort of spinning. <laughs> now, I really dig hard-hitting quotes. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to stay motivated, um, so I kind of use them constantly. I keep them around to keep me on task, uh, to kind of encourage me. Do you have any favorite quotes that resonate with you? Uh, I, have, I have a quote that I liked so much as a kid that I wrote it down and put it in a box. All right. And it's a Nietzsche quote. Do we still have that box? I, I don't know. Maybe. That'd be fantastic. I think so. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure I actually, yes, yes, I do. I know where it is. Um, I don't know if the quote is still in it. Um, but this is, you know, you and I were talking earlier about how I fancied myself to be footloose and fancy free as, as, a, as a kid. Um, but the, the quote is, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it. Uh, but the, essentially the quote is, I mistrust all, all systemizers and avoid them. The will to a system is a lack of integrity. Um, and I, 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 Something about that quote has always struck me as just fundamentally awesome, right? Because the idea that you can, as a person, um, you know, create this, this system that you're just going to confine yourself in is absurd. Yeah. Right? Like systems are great. But like to, to actually like systemize things, I'm not such a big fan. Um, so you went and decided to be a lawyer. Well, but again, like so. <laughs> so here's the thing: is is that the I I love process and I love systems, but the idea of cramming things into a system is abhorrent to me. Right? All right, and and so like I, I'm perfectly happy to work within a system um, as long as I've got some. And that's all, all of what being a lawyer is, right? It's like, here, here are all the rules. Figure it out. Yeah, figure right? out a way to make yourself work inside. Right, you. exactly. And, and so that I like very much. But, but the idea that, you know, I've had people tell me you can't do that because no one's done it before. Right. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. I think it's a novel legal theory that I think has legs. And, and I got, that's one of the most, uh, if you can say fun, it really is one of the most fun parts of being a lawyer that I discovered is, you know, precedent is important in the law, but... Judges are always willing to at least entertain That's a right. novel argument. That's right. And sometimes they'll buy it. You know, be like, well, actually, I've never heard it explained that way. But when we read the statute, I can't tell you if that's what they meant or not. So, sure, why not? That's exactly right. I'm like, damn. 
<laughs> well, and, and so, and you know, I do a lot of work with the UCC, uh, the Uniform Commercial Code. Um, and part of what I like about the UCC is that it's all default rules, right? There's a system set up. And then you can change any of them because it's a contract. You can say what you can agree to anything. It's fine if you didn't make the agreement on this. This is the default answer. Right. This is what we're going to go with. But if you did, great. Right. Yeah. The uh, other quote that I like, by the way, is um, the the foolish inconsistencies of hobgoblin and small minds. <laughs> Never heard that. Really? No. Yeah. So it's usually misquoted. Like it it's usually misquoted as consistency is the hobgoblin of small, small minds. But that's not the quote. It's foolish inconsistency. Because consistency is great. Yeah, sure. Just don't use you know, it as a crutch. Right. Yeah. Nice. That's great. Um, now, you said earlier that the Nietzsche quote was one you wrote down as a kid. When you say kid, what are we like? How old are we talking here? I was definitely younger than 15. That's impressive, because I don't think I was writing down Nietzsche quotes uh, uh, at that age. Yeah, because we were living in Wellington, so I, I, I could not have been more than 15. Sure. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So, kind of parlaying off of that, what did 10-year-old Harrison think he would be doing right now? 10-year-old Harrison? Yeah. 10 is fourth grade? Yeah, right? sure. My boy's 11, he's in fifth, so yeah, 10 is in fourth grade. Um just around that age. I, I was I was either gonna be an astronaut or a lawyer. Okay. So like I'm like I'm like fifty percent spot on. If I could be Maybe. if I could be lawyering in space, that'd be awesome. Is it too late? Possibly. I don't know, man. Uh, the technology's well. moving exponentially. Yeah. That, well there's some truth to that. Go colonize Mars. Be the first person doing dispute resolution. <laughs> I don't know that I want to be a lawyer on Mars. No, I'm not no. going. It's like the least hospitable environment I can imagine. Oh no, they're far worse. Well, okay. There's some perhaps you, you, like, there's big balls of gas, man. Well, Come on. Fair enough. But like Mars get, has dirt and like maybe water. You get we the don't land know. there. You don't get the land on the other ones. That's just that. <laughs> you get too close. Poof. Right. Like I was saying, they're like. I was just thinking an environment you could actually land on. Like you got to bring your oxygen with you. Like the moon is worse good. than Mars. Is it? I think so. I think the reason I don't think it's worse than Mars uh, is like it's like Earth's like right over there. It's proximity. Yeah. Location, it's like location, I just got to make sure I leave a little bit of gas in the that, tank. That I can sense. get home. That makes sense. <laughs> I jump really hard. Yeah. Like, oh, it was fun over here. Let's end this vacation. Yeah. yeah I think Mars, at, at least at this point in time, is a bit of a one-way trip. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm not doing that at all. I read a lot of science fiction as a kid. I think that there's just going to be a big ship. And, like generations are going to live on the ship. Yeah. And like they're, one day they're going to land and they'll be like, holy shit. Yeah, where are we? Yeah, we're we're eighty generations later. We're just a whole. We don't even know why we left. Yeah, and, and well, and then the, they're gonna the, have their own lore. The big worm with lots of teeth is gonna eat everybody. It's gonna be very sad. <laughs> I, read, I read a lot you of these books. You should have never come here. <laughs> no. They're probably gonna be convicts that are sent there, though. I, there was at least one book that involved worms with teeth, where they were convicts, <laughs> and they were sent out to these planets. And one of them was a psychotic guy, and the rest were really genuinely good people. <laughs> Oh man. Um well I'm not gonna keep you here all day as much as uh, as much fun as I am having. Um so I'm I like asking this question and I'm interested in what you're gonna say because you always you know, you give me new recommendations for music, but you always qualify by by saying, No, my sister told me about this. Well that's because uh, so Blakely, if you're listening, I give you credit. Yeah, he absolutely does. Um but I, I'm a big fan, like when I've gotta get shit done, I'm a big fan of listening to music um, when things really have to get done. Is that something you turn to? And if not, what is it like when something has to get done, you're under the gun, what's your system? I, I like music. Um, I, I don't know that it's 
like the thing that I turn to. Um, it sort of depends on the project for me. So right. like if I'm, if I'm going to be writing a lot, oftentimes there will be music. Right. Because, you know, you can only write for so many hours before you go stir crazy without something. Is there anything specifically you turn to or? Like in terms of music? Yeah. No, I mean like. Because I have a handful of albums that I will flip on that are going to stimulate my brain. Like the moment the first bar hits, like it's going to put me, because I've used them. I have kind of molded myself into a way where this is it. Like I have an album I listen to when I'm doing trial prep, like when it's getting tight. What album? And I got it. It's an album by a band called Dolls. Uh, it's their very first album, and it's just I'll if it's long trial prep, I'll listen to the album five, six, seven times in I, a row. I need to hear this. All it's right. a very good album, um, but it just has become that album for me. Uh, I know it inside out. It doesn't distract me, and it just fuels me. So I like to ask people, um, you know, no, so, so uh, different things for different kinds of work. Yeah, right. So uh, and, right. and different times of years, right? So it's like I, around Christmas time, I was listening to Christmas carols while working a lot and i don't know why but like I, that's what was on i was like yes. i think i would pay attention to um, that too much yeah so so and there are some things i can't listen to because i want to i want to sing along or whatever um i like billy joel as sort of a general uh miles davis is great right on uh yeah miles, can... miles davis and, and actually the pandora miles davis station which is not just miles davis right but that station is great for working too yeah, now I like jazz for working as well um, because you know generally it's 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 music, but it's something you know with it doesn't have lyrics. You can generally kind of work with it, but you don't your brain doesn't get distracted. And and, and uh, Tom's Crown Affair soundtrack, fantastic. How about that? Because I like the movie, um, but I, I've never listened to the soundtrack. Well, it's basically just Nina Simone singing Cinnamon right. over and over and over right, again right. on the soundtrack. But but there are some other good songs. I on like there that as well. movie. Um, yeah, well, and I, I use soundtracks as well during uh, law school. The big soundtracks I liked. I liked Gladiator. Um, that was one I would okay. listen to. Um, I think I just stumbled across it, and someone had it, and I listened to them. Like it's kind of good to study to. Um, and then I think uh, Fight Club soundtrack. Huh? It's surprisingly good to work to. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, these, dude, these are great answers. That's exactly and, and what I was Matrix. looking for. And none of these came from my sister, by the way. I take full credit for every <laughs> single one of these answers. That's great. And what's funny is The Matrix and Fight Club were like my two favorite movies when I first went to college. because you were in college yeah. when they came out. I'm, right. Like, come on. I sat and watched them. Like, yeah. I owned both of them. And I would sit and watch them, like, probably each at least once a week. I also liked the Gregorian Monks when I was in college. Oh. I listened to them a lot. I know nothing of this. It's just... It just freaking chanting okay it's awesome though something to study to something to work to yeah, like i don't know I, was weird I don't know why i'm saying study like now we like prepare we don't study anymore. i study <laughs> yeah. all right and i almost forgot we had to come back to your favorite uh one person that you would have a beer with uh living or dead who is it i i, I actually have an answer now mark twain all right why uh well so i'm, I'm currently reading the alexander hamilton uh biography and so that was what kept on popping in my head. And I was like, no, I really don't think I'd like him very much. Um, he's brilliant and amazing person and a huge historical figure, but he's kind of a jerk. Um, and so that was all that was coming to my head. And that, that made me start thinking about people I would actually enjoy having beer with. Um, I don't think there's ever been a better rock and tour than Mark Twain. So right on. That's, that's my guy. Sweet. Good answer. Well, Harrison, it has been a pleasure having you, man. Thanks so much. Uh, before I let you go, where can the listeners find you? Uh, well, on... Uh, like, Everywhere at one time, we knew yeah, that. Okay, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm working the phone. Do you want my office address? What, what you, 
I, I, What's no, your no. internet address? I, I, I listened to enough podcasts that I should have known what she meant immediately, and I just stumbled. We can edit that out, right? Absolutely not. Uh, well, we no, no, don't get me wrong. We could. <laughs> We're not going to. <laughs> well, listeners can find me at my Twitter handle, hlord, or asklegalnc. Um, Dot com? Well, oh, those are your Twitter, Twitter handles. Okay. I, I'm Look at the, me. I'm following the, the prescription here, right? Uh, I'm available at my email address, HAL at asklegalnc.com or on the web at www.asklegalnc.com. Was that what you wanted? That's good. All right. Awesome. That's good. Do we have an Instagram? Uh, no. We're old. going to need to get an Instagram. I, actually, I, I do have an Instagram. I don't know what it is. Okay. <laughs> Probably HLord. But right I don't remember anything there. All right. Well, thanks a lot, dude. Absolutely. Thank you. Right on. All right, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that episode because I had a blast making it. Harrison has been a friend and mentor for years, and it was a real privilege for me to share his story with you. But before I let you go, if you liked what you heard today, I would be thrilled if you hopped on over to the iTunes store, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you happen to be listening, and do me a quick favor. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a honest review of the show as well. That's how we keep spreading the word and keeping the lights on around here. Now, listeners, if you stuck around this long and you did enjoy the interview, then I have one tiny Easter egg for you that didn't find a home in the episode itself. Here's a quick story that I captured when we were chatting before the interview started. Enjoy this, and until next week, get out there and get after it. My old boss once, um, this is actually a good story for the podcast, but... Well, we can wait on it then. I'm thinking of it now, though. So, All right. uh, one of my colleagues, another, another associate at my firm... They had casual Fridays, mm-hmm. and uh, and like we got made fun of because we wore suits and ties on a Friday, and so you know we got made fun of. So we stopped wearing ties. Casual Friday, no tie. Still wore a jacket, no tie. Sure. And uh, and my buddy and I are in the elevator, or no, my buddy comes into my office and he says I was just in the elevator, and Bill Deal was in the elevator with me, and he looked at me and said, "What do you do here?" And my friend laughed. He's like, "I'm, I'm a lawyer here, Bill. You know what I do here? You hired me." <laughs> and uh, and Bill says, no, you're not a lawyer. Lawyers wear fucking ties. <laughs> and, looks at, and looks at him and he's like, don't ever be in my, in my law firm without a tie again. Right? And my buddy doesn't know what to do. So he's just like, uh-huh, okay. Because my office, he's like, what the fuck? Like, is this, is this a real thing? Like, was he fucking with me? Was he serious? I don't know. And I was like, I don't know either, but I'm putting on a tie. <laughs> you need, yeah, act, act like he wasn't. That's right. Just be safe. Yeah, so I always wear ties. Lawyers wear ties. Lawyers wear ties. Ooh, and I may just edit that in somewhere funny. Yeah, all right. You've been listening to the Future Self Podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, get out there and give your future self something to cheer about.